Good morning, Regen. I'm Chris. I'm the Director of Student Ministries here at Regen, and I'm excited to be with you today. When Pastor Albert asked me to, to come today and to pick a topic around Jesus' identity to share during Advent, I spent a lot of time reflecting on the pandemic and Christmas and quarantine. And one theme that kept popping up was bread. During the peak of quarantine, my social media feed, and I'm assuming everybody else's as well, uh, was filled with people making all types of bread. In fact, at one point there was even uh, a flour and yeast shortage, so I wasn't able to make bread. Then during the holiday season, around Christmas, baking is front and center in my household. Then I thought about the Bible. The word bread is used 239 times in the Old Testament, and it's used 79 times in the New Testament. In fact, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, literally means house of bread. Beth meaning house, and lehem meaning bread. It was also the center of growing grain, as illustrated in the book of Ruth. So when thinking about Christmas and the prophecy and fulfillment of Jesus, bread is right there. We all experience cravings, things we long to have. This is especially true during the holiday season. And, and this year may be more than ever. We long to be with our friends and our family. Some of us desire gifts and things to fill up our time. We know that in the United States especially, Christmas has become more about fulfilling desire than about Jesus. Fulfilling the desire of kids to have more stuff, fulfilling desires to eat and drink and celebrate and be with friends and family. In the culture of our time, we follow our day of thanksgiving by a day fulfilling our most earthly desire, shopping endlessly and tirelessly to fill some need in our life in order to celebrate Christmas. Maybe this isn't true for all of us. Maybe it's not true for any of us listening. But the truth is for most of us that our personal desires fall fairly high on our list of priorities. We know that the saying goes, Jesus is the reason for the season, and as we celebrate the third week of Advent, I want to take a moment to remember that Jesus came down from heaven to be our desire, not to fulfill them. In John's Gospel, Jesus makes seven statements, which are known as the I Am statements. Verse 35 in chapter 6 is the first of the seven, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This is followed with, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. I am the door of the sheep in John 10, 7 and 9. I am the resurrection and the life in John 11, 25. I am the good shepherd in John 10, 11 and 14. I'm the way, the truth and the life in John 14, 6. And I'm the true vine in John 15, verses 1 and 5. There are a few reasons why these statements are significant. First, Jesus is making revelations about himself, his ministry, and his mission in the world through these statements. Second, each of these statements is unique to John's gospel. In the other gospels, Jesus certainly makes many statements which inform us to who he is, but the formula of him saying, I am, and following that by a metaphorical statement about his identity, is only seen in John. Third, the statements matter because they have resonance to the Old Testament. For instance, the bread of life alludes to the manna from heaven. But the I am statements also allude to the Old Testament passages, such as Exodus 3, when God has called upon Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses asked God for his divine name. Exodus 3, 13 through 14. 
Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God simply refers to himself as I am. He is being itself. God can simply say, I am, and so can Jesus. So while the I am statements do make claims about the ministry of Christ, they also inherently make claims of his own divinity. As I said, the first of these statements is, I am the bread of life. In John 6, 35 through 40, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. When Jesus told his followers that he was the bread of life, he was giving them a solution, not just for their physical hunger, but for their emotional, mental, and especially their spiritual hunger. In this verse, Jesus lays out three things. First, he is the spiritual bread. He has come here to fill that desire that we as humans have that craves something the world can't give us. He compares himself to the manna in the desert, saying that he is the true bread that came down from heaven. He is spiritual in nature. Second, Jesus is the satisfying bread. It's important to note that this message comes shortly after Jesus has fed the 5,000. He has given them food, and yet many of them were not satisfied. They follow him and seek out after him, and Jesus calls them out in John 6, 25 through 30. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? In this verse, Jesus is, is angry. Can you imagine Jesus being angry that somebody is seeking him? Why would he be upset if you sought him? It's because you were seeking him as use because they were seeking him as being useful. Useful for the bread, the money, the health, prosperity. He is useful to my stuff, and they didn't let their eyes run up and say, He is my treasure. And so what is Jesus saying? What in the world is he doing here? Jesus is exposing their heart. He's rebuking their reasons for following him. Referencing Isaiah 55, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Jesus is exposing their heart here. They saw this miracle, and they fixated on the product of the miracle, not the person. He tells them that he is the bread that they seek, and not only that, but he is the bread that will satisfy their hunger, and that they will never thirst again. He will satisfy them. 
Make note, it doesn't say that Jesus will give to them, but that he will satisfy them. You see, it's very easy to have a dream, or maybe a genie wish, or maybe a plan of what you want God to do for you. And you seek him like they did, hopes that he will give it to you. Jesus is not deceived. He's not fooled. God sees the thoughts, the motivations, the desires of your hearts. The passage that we are, we're looking at wants us to examine our heart and ask ourselves the question, what about me? What do I want? Why am I seeking Jesus? He sees beyond the appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. His eyes are as a flame of fire in Revelation 1.4. He sees us through and through. It's very possible for us to think and believe that religious activity is going to be the ticket that's going to ensure that we get a comfortable life that we want or get the dreams that we want. Remind yourself today, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? It's very possible for me to go through the motions and for, the, and for Jesus to not be the object of my love. And so that's their problem. They're laboring for food that is perishing. The third thing is that Jesus is the sustaining bread. Taking of the bread of life gives us eternal life. Not a temporary reprieve from hunger that the manna gave, but a sustaining, real reprieve from hunger that will last eternally. So Jesus is the spiritual bread the satisfying bread, and the sustaining bread. And I have to ask myself, at what bakery can I buy that? Bread has a lot of importance in the Bible. As I mentioned earlier, it's used 239 times in the Old Testament and 79 times in the New Testament. Bread is used as an offering to God. It's used in the tabernacle in the temple to symbolize the presence of God. It was used in the Old Testament to symbolize such things as the enemy consumed, the unity of a group, and wisdom. In the New Testament, it symbolizes Jesus Christ himself, his body, his kingdom, and the unity of the church. Simply put, bread is important in the Bible. We're even told to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because we need it. Our bodies need nourishment. So when Jesus says that he is the bread of life, we need to sit up and listen. Our souls need him. He's the very food our souls crave. They remain famished and dying apart from him. Anything else that we do is just empty calories, junk food. He alone is the answer to end all of our spiritual cravings. Jesus is to be what we desire, what fills our needs. Not what he gives, not the loaves of bread to feed 5,000, but the bread that will sustain us whether or not we have a loaf in our basket. The first thought we ask, how did the Jews miss the point when Jesus spoke of bread that truly satisfied? Why did they first think of ordinary bread? The answer is because they were just like us. The material rewards of life were more pressing and attractive than spiritual rewards. What they wanted was an unending supply of bread that could make their daily life easier. Imagine if one night in a dream we heard Jesus say to us, I have a wonderful gift for you. I bet most of us would say, how much money are you going to give me? Is it a new car? Where am I going on vacation? We so easily count our blessing in material terms. Everything we are and we have is a gift from God, including our material blessings. 
The material is not evil. However, Jesus' teaching constantly reminds us that there is something more important than money, homes, cars, family vacations, gifts under the tree, meals with family. It's a relationship with God revealed in Jesus Christ and made present through the Holy Spirit. If we want life in all of its fullness, then what we need most is the bread that Jesus alone can give. Only this can sustain us along life's journey and prepare us for the life to come. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What an amazing promise of satisfaction. In Jesus Christ, we can find a rich, rewarding abundance for our lives, not in the gifts he gives, but in the giver himself. Too much of the time we tend to focus on the gifts. And church, it's not about the gifts, it's about the giver. We need to understand that God wants us to be satisfied in him. As John Piper said, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. And Jesus promised that satisfaction when he said, He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. In Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus tells us how to pray. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know about you, but I find myself like the Jews following Jesus, grumbling about wanting more bread more often than I would care to admit. It's easy to get swept up in the moment, especially during the holidays where you're inundated with things that you should desire. But I go back to the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We're not encouraged to pursue our desires or ask for anticipated future needs and wants, but to live each day as it comes. Christians live by faith that each day God will provide. As we need each day to eat bread or some form of food, so do we need for our spiritual life to have spiritual bread. And this bread is Jesus Christ himself. And it's so effective that truly coming to him means that you will never hunger again. For it is Christ and his salvation for which our souls hunger. And finding Christ, or rather being found by him, satisfies that longing. Yet we do still need Jesus Christ daily. Just as we need bread daily, for we sin each day, and each day we need a Savior. In Jesus' death on the cross, our sins are forgiven, and Jesus declared, it is finished. Yet still each day, we are to repent for our sins and ask for forgiveness, knowing that in this life, we are still mired in sin. We are, as Martin Luther often said, simultaneously sinners and saints. We continue to sin, but God continues to forgive us. The bread of life continues to keep us fed. So the purpose of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was not to show that Jesus can give you all the things of your heart's desire here on earth, but to point to Jesus as himself, as the bread of life, giving life eternal. And Jesus proclaims not only that he is the bread of life, but that he is the only bread of life. Jesus is the only path to a fulfilling life, the only path to having our needs taken care of forever. Jesus' entire discourse on the bread of life poses two types of bread. There's the bread that is perishable, the bread that is temporary, the desires of the world, and then there's the bread of life. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is in John chapter 6, verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, 
I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. As we celebrate Advent and approach the birth of our Savior, ask yourself, which bread do you desire? Which bread takes up most of your time, the most space in your heart? As you open up presents on Christmas and tuck into meals with loved ones we can be with, I hope the real bread that you fill yourself up with is the one that is the reason for the season. Father, we are hungry. We so often run to work, to relationships, to money, to satisfy our hunger. And you have provided for the needs of your people in Jesus. You have provided the bread of heaven. So we humble our hearts and ask for you to help us drink deeply tonight of your goodness to us in Jesus Christ. Move us toward him. We pray this in his name. Amen. As we're preparing to take communion, we spend a good amount of time talking about Jesus as the bread of life. And as we take communion, we have to remember that bread is important here as well. It's important in remembering his body broken for us. It's important for remembering the pain that he endured for us. So as you take this, humble yourselves and know that this is an act of taking the bread of life. And just as we take the bread of life, we're also to take the fruit of the vine that is representative of the blood spilled for us. This is the blood that washes all of our sins. So I just ask before you take this that you take a moment and remember that at this holiday season, that at this Advent, our Savior came and that we take communion in remembrance of when he left his physical body here in order to wash us clean of our sins. <laughs> 